Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time now to go inside out with SNY MLB insider Andy Martino. And Andy, how did we get from Billy Epler and David Stern shaking hands Monday to Epler resigning on Thursday? Well, that one's got a really clear answer, Chelsea. Uh, it came to light since that Epler was under investigation by Major League Baseball for improper use of the injury list rules. That was first reported by the New York Post. I uh, also have that through sources. It's it's true that investigation is ongoing, and Epler decided to resign. Uh, it, you saw the wording of that statement. A clean slate takes on a lot of meaning, or a deeper meaning now that we know that he doesn't want the Stearns regime to be in any way encumbered by uh, this investigation. Yeah, so Andy, what is the phantom injury list and how widespread is it in baseball? Yeah, good question. So I should specify that the exact nature of the uh, alleged violation uh, that MLB is looking into isn't clear. Uh, it hasn't been stated. But uh, generally speaking, the phantom IL is something that was very common in baseball up to, say, 15, 20 years ago, talking to a lot of execs around the league uh, this evening to get full context on this. Certainly something I heard of before then, where, uh, again, generally speaking, a player might be placed on the injured list for roster reasons instead of uh, really having an owie somewhere on his body. But they need to clear the spot, so therefore it's the phantom IL. Uh, that's, again, something that does happen. It is something that MLB has been looking to crack down on uh, in recent years, I can tell you through sources that the Mets have made use of this of Phantom IL, and they're not alone in the league in doing that, but they have. Uh, but again, it's not explicitly stated uh, by our sources or by the Post sources that this is what Epler's being investigated on. Uh, whatever rule violation he's being investigated on was the result of a tip from somebody who remains anonymous, which, of course, leads to the very interesting question to which I do not have the answer. Uh, who dropped the dime on Billy Epler? There's a lot of intrigue around that right now because uh, he was supposed to be the Mets GM for a long time to come still if it weren't for this. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, October the 8th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the Talking Mets Podcast.com. Send me a tweet 
at Mike Silva Media, and you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, Talking No G. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network, as well as RisingApple.com. Well, you are going to be getting a two-part edition of the Talking Mets podcast here today, so lucky for all of you. Bonus coverage, two for the price of one. We're not having a sale here because it's the off-season and the Mets disappointed and I want more people listening and downloading shows. Uh, we're going to react to the news that we didn't expect that came out on Thursday about Billy Epler resigning, MLB subsequent investigation. I have a lot to say about that. David Stern's task just got hotter. Originally, I had planned a show with our friend Jim Allen, Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. Uh, has a lot to say about. He lives out in Japan. He was on our show last winter when the Mets were recruiting Kodai Senga. Has a lot of knowledge. Has interacted with these players. We were going to talk about how the Far East and Japan was potentially going to play a big role in the Mets going out and trying to be competitive uh, this offseason into next year. Uh, that's obviously kind of thrown into a little bit of chaos, but you will hear in part two my conversation with Jim Allen, Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast, as uh, we chat a little bit about what he thinks about Yamamoto, Otani. Are there other names out there that we're missing in the Japanese market that potentially could help the New York Mets uh, return to the postseason? So, uh, I'll start off with what you guys tuned in wanting uh, to talk about. So you might, we talked about this a little after the David Stern's press conference. You might not see Billy Martin or, you know, Billy Martin f- fighting with Reggie or George firing multiple managers or fighting with the fans in the elevator during the World Series. You may not see the same back page drama daily, at least not in the same way that you saw during the first, oh, 15 to 20 years of George Steinbrenner's ownership of the Yankees. But make no mistake about it, there is absolute chaos over in Flushing. That's why this is the Flushing Zoo. I mean, you can't call it anything else. And it's been going on pretty much since 2020. We're on a four-year run where you may have the most chaotic, uh, crazy, nonsensical, stunning... Are there other adjectives that I'm missing? Series of events, especially when it comes to the Mets front office and dugout, that you you couldn't script. You couldn't make it up. And, you know, where did this all start? How did it get here? And look, you and I were talking about Stearns and David Stearns taking on this big challenge on Monday. Kid from New York, Mets fan, great reputation in the industry. Nobody, nobody had anything negative to say about the Mets hiring Stearns. A first, like I had said, Billy Epler, who seemed always destined to be a good number two, was going to be sliding in as his lieutenant. Yeah, it was a little odd. It was a little clumsy hiring your boss. But you know what? Nothing has been traditional since the day that Cohen took over ownership. Some of it his fault, some of it not his fault. Obviously, things just have transpired in a certain way. So you finally felt... The worst is behind us. And then this news comes out about Billy Epler resigning. More so, it comes out what it's about. And you're like, huh? And I've heard Trevor, uh, I've heard former players talk about it. I've heard 
Um, Todd Zeal talk about it. We've seen quotes in the papers from executives. And, you know, Trevor May was on a podcast, like even raising an eyebrow. He played here. And you just say to yourself, there's got to be more to this. And I think I kind of figured it out because I didn't come to you guys right away and talk to you on Thursday with a reaction because what would I have gone on for for even 10 minutes? What? The facts? You heard the facts. You know them. You could go to SNY or WFAN or anybody to report the facts. I I didn't know what to say other than, okay, Stearns has got to hire another GM. It's clear that as a president of baseball operations, he's not the team president. He's the baseball operations president. That this isn't as bad, even though it's creating a lot more work and a lot more uncertainty, which you don't need early in the first days of your tenure. But you need someone that could execute the day-in and day-out grind, the details of the job, that shares the same philosophy. He felt, or at least on the surface, when there was contract negotiation, Stearns felt that Epler was uh, okay and, and, and fit that mold. And, and now he's gone. So you know whether it's Matt Klintek, James Click, or anybody else that you're going to put out there, um, I don't really think it matters. They're all going to be the same version. They'll look different. One will have a Yale uh, education. One will have a Dartmouth education. They're going to be statistically inclined. They may have an economics degree or they're from baseball perspectives. I mean, just go through the resumes. These guys all have similar type of backgrounds. And honestly, when it comes to the manager, I'm not so sure at this point. And I think, and I've read, and this is the smart move. I agree if this is where Stearns is going, because I've been saying this for years, going back to when they fired uh, Terry Collins that the Mets need to find their next manager who is going to be with the team five, six, seven years and become somewhat of, a, of an institution here like Bobby V was. Uh, to a certain degree, Terry Collins was like that when he was here and he, there was stability. Davey Johnson. Uh, that's what you need. You, you, know, you don't want someone changing year in and year out. You want someone preaching the philosophy of the organization, keeping the clubhouse consistent with the leadership style, and, and obviously hope it's somebody that could manage in the dugout pretty well, which... Basically, as things started to drip out after the press conference on Monday, uh, a guy like Buck Showalter, an old school manager who for his entire career has had control of that dugout, uh, it sounds like he didn't. And it sounds like Billy Epler, who positions himself as a good blend of scouting and analytics and understanding the heartbeat of baseball, maybe wasn't quite like that. So... You know, it it doesn't really matter at this point because the Mets are going down the same path that every other organization analytically applied, whether it be Tampa or the Dodgers, anybody else. You want to go up and down every organization, the Giants, whoever you want to put in there. Mets are going to be just like them. Sports is a copycat league. And when something's working well and when the media blesses off on something as the norm, it's going to be really hard when you run an organization, especially when the owner is from the hedge fund world, which is all data and all the things you're seeing going on in baseball, you're seeing happen in the finance world. And a lot of these guys, some of them of which, uh, you know, could have easily worked for Goldman Sachs or running a baseball team. I mean, it's really uh, the, the skill sets, what they're looking for, crazy as it sounds, uh, are very transferable. So that's interesting. So it really, to me, this at this point is a, Let's sit back and watch who's going to be the GM, who's going to be the manager. Now, here's where this is all bad. And I'm going to put the whole Epler thing, because we got to really look at Epler real quick, because 
uh, you know, little postmortem on Epler here, and then get to the real rub why this is happening. So why this is bad. First of all, it was clumsy hiring your boss. I didn't like how Epler was, uh, you know, hiring his boss. And, and you heard all the reports. You know, you have a little bit of some of Brody Van Wagenen's people, some of Alderson's people, Porter's people, uh, Zach Scott's people, Epler people. And, and it sounds like Epler really tightened his inner circle as things uh, went forward. I mean, look, Mets had a bad season and a new boss was coming in. You needed some loyalist in the organization. That's unfortunately byproduct of kind of the clumsy way that the Mets have really built their front office operations. What was the first mistake? Why are we here? The first mistake, and it was a necessary evil, was Sandy Alderson being brought in to run this organization while it was in transition. Sandy Alderson was a dinosaur very quickly into his first tenure. Don't make 2015 fool you. Sandy Alderson was already not quite, and his group not quite up to snuff with the rest of the league back then. Yes, you could talk about resources and the Wilpons and all that other stuff, but quite honestly, you took GMs, Ricciardi, the Podesta, Sandy Alderson, they were at the beginning of the analytics revolution. And really, Billy Bean was the disciple of Alderson. Billy Bean's really the guy that built all that. And then Sandy going to San Diego and, and kind of overseeing things. He was more of a guy that could build organizations and put people in place. He was never a baseball guy. Sandy Alderson is not a baseball guy. He's a lawyer. And he's been, for a large part of his time with the Mets, first tenure, second tenure, uh, been put in front as the baseball guy. And maybe because of those reasons we said before, he didn't always have the best people in charge. You brought a non-baseball guy who really was brought in when Cohen came on to navigate approval. And that's important. Without Sandy Alderson, Cohen probably can't get approved. That's the problem with the politics of baseball. So that's mistake number one, Alderson. And then, look, you brought in guys that maybe are not as widespread accepted as Stearns, but Jared Porter and Zach Scott, you were starting to bring in those young New age, up-and-coming GMs, guys who had connections throughout the league, guys who were part of the club. There is a new club. You want to call it the Analytics Club, the Ivy League Club, the, you know, the Smartest Guy in the Room Club, whatever you want to call it, there's a club. And those guys were part of it, and off the field, zapped both of them. Both for stupid reasons. Immature, stupid reasons. That's water under the bridge. And then now you can't find. Now you're like, all right, I need to get a president of baseball operations. I need to get a president. Cohen can't hire anybody because nobody wants to come work for him because they're afraid of the market, rightfully so, or they can't get permission. So, And, and let's put it this way. This goes back to why this is happening and, and why baseball is using this small infraction that's wide, widespread as a way to send a message. Remember, this is about sending a message, in my opinion, to Cohen and the Mets. So they can't find anybody. They wind up settling in a lot of ways on Epler. Epler's task is to build this farm system, build this organization while competing and winning, gets it in the midst of a lockout staring down the barrel, brings in Buck, uh, one of the top managers out there with all this wealth of experience to stabilize the dugout. And it works. They win 100 games. They get to the postseason. They nearly win the division. And many people, myself included, thought, that was a team that was one of the top five in baseball that could win a championship in 2022. And we felt that way coming into this year. But the fact remained that the organization still wasn't built top down. It was being built almost bottom up. 
and and that's tough. That's tough to do. So you were trying to build the infrastructure and then put in the guy that's in charge in Stearns. That's not Cohen's fault. He tried to hire the right people. He didn't just want to settle. Smart of him. Because basically, when you look at the results, he settled on his first GM. He settled on his second GM. He settled on his third GM. And you could argue that, I mean, he inherited Rojas, who was there already, based on the unfortunate situation with Beltran. And, you know, in a lot of ways, they may have just taken on the best manager with the most experience available. And I thought when Billy Epler came in, the goal was to bring Buck in, maybe bring some young coaches like Chavez and so on and so forth that they could mold and then transition uh, with almost like the Buck way, the Buck culture. And if you remember, Buck and Billy Epler were, you know, they made their trip to Port St. Lucie. Buck was going through the facility to see how they could change certain things. I mean, really an attention to detail guy. It seemed perfect. Not perfect in the way it came together, but perfect for now. And then, look, you bring in somebody at the top, and you hopefully bring in that person that could appreciate the infrastructure that's in place. But it was probably all a mirage when you really think about it, because now you're hearing reports that Epler really didn't include Buck in anything when things went sour as they ripped the team apart. That Buck really didn't have control of the lineup card, even as... Even as much as we thought, we figured he'd have some say in the matter, but in the end would have to salute the stripes. But it appears that wasn't the case. And there's largely been a disconnect between the field and the front office, you know, maybe since the start. And that's disappointing because Billy Epler came here and Billy Epler positioned himself as sort of the best of both worlds. A guy who grew up in the Yankees organization when guys like Gene Michael were using their wealth of industry experience and scouting background and former playing background and the legends that they learned from, that Epler learned from those guys and was able to incorporate more of a a data-driven approach to that. But remember, if you go back to reading the Tory years, Joe Tory's book, he was very critical of Epler in a lot of ways, saying that Epler forgot that his... Players had a heartbeat. You didn't get that impression when you heard Epler speak. And for Epler to step down over a phantom DL, a practice that everybody uses, everybody in this sport is always looking for an edge and a way to bend the rules, and that's going to be the distraction. That does not fit the mustard. That does not fit the mustard. There had to be either a situation where he didn't want to go under the scrutiny of how he ran the organization the last time and the stuff that's coming out about how he interacted with Buck and the lineup and the decisions made. Maybe maybe Epler goes, look, I, I, this is not going to be worth it. I don't want to come into a job two strikes in front of me knowing that the more this two strikes in front of me is, the more likely I'm going to get fired. Let me get out now and move on with my life. You know, Maybe he wanted to get out all along and this just gave him the easy way to say look uh, you know I can't do this maybe that was all along you know people sit in a press conference they look at their boss they look at what maybe they wanted and they wake up a couple of days later and they have uh, an excuse now out the door I think there's something more and we'll get to that I think there's something more that Billy Epler saw and we'll get to that most importantly to where we are today this move now accentuates the instability that is a death to the organization 
that has existed since Sandy Alderson got sick the first time and stepped down. Cohen no longer has, as I said the other day, the cachet that I'm the new owner, I have all this money, I'm going to take air freshener to the Wilpon regime and blow it all out. There is no more Wilpon stench in there. It's gone. It's all on Steve Cohen. And look, Steve Cohen, if anybody thinks, and I looked at the New York Times article about how, you know, uh, they, they, they want to make sure that Cohen's negative background didn't infiltrate their baseball uh, operations department. If you think a guy worth $17 billion who's running a major hedge fund dealing with financial power players has time in the middle of his day to worry about and instruct his organization to put Jeff Brigham or Phil Bickford on the phantom injured list, then you don't know how the world works. You need to go back to school. You need to read a newspaper. You need to take a, a some sort of history class or some kind of class about how the world works and how important powerful people work. You know, you know, you just don't. It's 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 foolish. If you really think he's waking up in the morning, even if he's a fan of the team, Cohen, and worried about that or involved in that, that's where baseball lives in a bubble. Why would anybody sign here? Really, at this point, why would Craig Council come here? You have as much of a reason now, a week later almost, to blow this thing apart and start from scratch and give Stern his marketing rebuild, give him his three to five year rebuild now than you did a week ago. Because you just added another layer of uncertainty to an organization that has had nothing but for a while. Going on almost six or seven years. I mean, the last time you felt stability about this organization was when they were popping the champagne and snuck into the wild card in 2016 with a roster that, quite honestly, was not a playoff roster. When you look back, had really good starting pitching, not a playoff roster. Actually, quite a bad roster, a team that overachieved when you really think about it. That's a lot of instability, and that's a long time. And we're going to sit here and talk about Craig Council managing and Otani signing here, and the Mets going to Japan and recruiting Yamamoto, which recruiting Japanese players is tough from the start. And I'm not saying that because Epler is is not there. I'm saying it because you just got to look at the facts. Stern's job is hard. It just got that much harder. The good news you have a guy that's pretty experienced in the GM role. Now he's got a much bigger role now, got more responsibility than just the GM, so that makes it harder. But it's not like you took in a business guy or a guy that was just coming in looking to run you know, the overseer or the Sandy Alderson, the younger version of Sandy Alderson. You didn't bring that in. You brought a guy that could get his hands in the weeds. I don't know how you can put or meet the goal of competitiveness next year. And I mean real competitiveness. Competitiveness meaning that you're in the wild card conversation legitimately in September. Which is not a high bar, depending on how the sport plays out in a given year. I don't know how you could do that with all this instability. You know, Even if you don't plan on hiring a GM, you now have to hire a GM. You have to hire a manager. Um, you have to build the, the, the organization. The only good news of this is he's the buck. The buck stops with Stearns. No more, well, the buck stops with Billy today, and maybe it'll be somebody different tomorrow. It's Stearns on the way down. So finally you have that stability. Lord knows I'm waiting for something to come out about Stearns 
you know, the 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 industry darling. If something comes out about Stearns, the industry darling, then I got to say, hey, look, you know, remember, remember that baseball gods deal that I told you the Mets or somebody with the Mets made with two outs in the 10th inning in game six, 86? That's real. We're going to start talking really crazy stuff around here. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So you, it's a fair question. You know, if I'm David Stearns, I got to sit down with, with Cohen and say, you know, can I, under the current circumstances, hiring a manager and all this stuff going on, can I legitimately build and 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 i don't know i mean you could make an argument and this would stink this would be awful just a couple of years after you know coming off the the most money spent being in on every free agent the largesse of cohen and the first time in franchise history that you could feel well the first time in a long time you could feel that you could go out and really be a power player for just about anybody to be on the opposite end of the spectrum almost overnight is extremely disappointing and frustrating. But you have to be honest, this kind of chaos, which is really good for shows like this, it gets us clicks, it makes us money, it puts us relevant in front. Some people take these kind of opportunities to make a career for themselves. Look at the John Boy situation and the sign stealing. They're great for people's careers in media. They are not good for the business of winning baseball. You know it, I know it, we can lie to ourselves. We could say, hey, nothing's been traditional in the Cohen ownership so far, so why would winning? That's fair, but remember, not to go back and sound like Billy Epler here, probabilistically, this kind of upheaval leads to inconsistent and usually bad results. And it needs to stop, and that's Stern's first job. He has to bring normalcy here. He has to be the calming influence. He can't just be the smartest guy in the room. He has to be the most stable one in the room. He has to be the adult in the room. He has to make sure that there is absolutely nothing that they could come after him with because, quite honestly, and again, that's the real point here that I'm going to be getting to, they're going to try, and I'll tell you why. But one last thing before I get to that is that when I look back at Billy Epler, I don't look back with anger or frustration or you don't want to kick him out the, the door. You know, things did not end completely like the way you wanted them to. I will say he was the only one to have guts to take the job when most people didn't. Most people would not come on with the edict, especially who had no guarantees they were going to be elevated to a bigger position. And, and the edict was to win and develop, a very hard thing to do. He took the challenge on the fly with the lockout and built the 100-win team. They needed to balance development with winning. Maybe you could say his Waterloo was the 2022 trade deadline when his deals didn't work out. He gave away a reliever for Vogelback, who I think helped the offense. You know, maybe he gave up some 
diamonds in the rough for Naquin when they were concerned about their outfield depth. I mean, here's an organization he inherited where they couldn't even bring up somebody from AAA. They could do what Tyler Naquin did. That tells you how bad they've been run from a player development standpoint for so long. You know, they didn't go out and get the big fish. They didn't get a Soto. They didn't get a big bat or 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 big pitcher to round up the staff. Again, he was asked to balance winning with development. And the Mets at that point did not have the prospect cachet like they do today after trading their Hall of Fame pitchers. It made it the job that much harder. He went, as I said, whether it was Scherzer and DeGrom or Scherzer and Verlander, when those deals were made, I said, this is a high stakes poker game you could it could work really well or it could blow up it blew up it worked well for a while they didn't get zero out of it it's not like it was a disaster from the start they rolled the dice and lost Scherzer was bad in game one set the tone for the postseason then there was the bad luck there was Edwin Diaz going down and everything that happened this year so I, I look at his track record as hey yeah the cojones to actually take the job I don't think he set the organization back as a matter of fact and you know, depending on how these kids work out, it's really the scouting department. You know, did Billy bless off on the final, uh, the, you know, players that came back? You know, did he negotiate and leverage the situation he had in tough spots with no trade clauses with Verlander and Scherzer? You know, I mean, it seems to have gotten a decent haul for a, a veteran reliever in Robertson. You know, basically the, the, the Marlins paid away a couple of top prospects to get two extra days of baseball. I mean, the Marlins played two extra days of baseball than the Mets. So, you know, I don't see anything about Epler's track record that's, you know, worth scorning him out the door. Just a lot of questions about, really, you're quitting over this? Now, here's where I think things are going. And I think the New York Times, pretty much, Michael Schmidt and Ken Belson wrote an article about their sources. And, and here's where the real situation goes. Uh, and they write, and you probably have seen this online, so I'll, I'll repeat it in case you haven't. The New York Times writes, there are two motivations for looking at the conduct of Mr. Cohen, the game's wealthiest owner and one of its most controversial. I have no idea why he's controversial, guys. He spends money, he wants his team to win. I guess that's considered controversial by today's standards. As part of the investigation, one of the people said, the first is that the office of the commissioner, Rob Manfred, wants to demonstrate to the public and team owners that it takes allegations of cheating seriously and has turned over every rock. The second is that it wants to ensure that Mr. Cohen's history, which, even though he's never personally found liable for any wrongdoing, worried owners before he bought the team, has not bled into his running of the Mets and its front office culture. Stop, stop, stop. There it is. So here's what happened. Somebody, a trainer, maybe Billy Epler, was really aggressive and got really loose with the practice of Phantom DL. Something the whole league does, not ethical, but you know what? Whole nother story. You don't have enough players to get through a season now because of analytics. 26-man roster, which is expanded, is not enough. And if you want to have anybody of quality and you know you can't have 50 guys active every night, that's what happens. You got, I mean, the NBA did it. The NBA just figured they stopped the whole phantom injury list, and they just said, okay, let's have inactives. You know, increase the roster to 15. They came to a conclusion of what a team needs to get through the season, and now you can make people active and active, send them to, you know, whatever. The contracts, you know, you just have to make sure the contract matches up for what the person comes in and does. So that's the surface stuff. When you read that the MLB was, you know, at City Field on Friday having meetings, 
That's the power. That's what people in power do. They come to your place of business or your home. They make a scene. They put you under the light and they try to scare you into, we're going to find out what's going on. You think for a minute that they actually care about anything that comes out of this phantom DL? What do you think they're going to find? How much of an advantage, considering the Mets were the middle of the pack when it came to injuries, do you think the Mets really got? You think being able to hold on to Jeff Brigham or Dominic Leone, you think that's this great competitive advantage? Because there were so many teams that that needed Jeff Brigham that he could have went and played for that missed the playoffs because the Mets put him on a fan. And I don't know if they did Brigham. I'm just throwing a name out there. No. This is about baseball. And Rob Manfred sending a message to Steve Cohen who has, from the start, not followed any of the rules of the good old boys network and say to him, look what I can do at a moment's notice for any reason. This is a message to Cohen. We, You don't play by our rules. You decide to make noise, especially when it comes to payroll, especially when it comes to pushing players' salaries north, especially when it comes to not following the guidelines that the other owners want you to follow. Probably a bunch of small market hawkish owners who don't like the fact that players' salaries continue to grow, that don't like the fact that there's financial inequities depending on what market is. They are telling Cohen, this is what happens when you don't follow the rules. They are sending him a message. They want him to get in line. If the Industry wants $300 million payrolls or three fifty, and we really frown upon you going over this much or that much. They want to keep it that way. If you think for a minute, now collusion's probably not as overt, not probably, I would doubt it's as overt as it was when Bud Selig and, and Jerry Reinsdorf and those guys did it during Collusion 1, Collusion 2 in the 80s. It still exists in other ways. Grouping, mindset, that's collusion. Just a different way of doing it. So Billy Epler gets this thing that he's ahead of because he ran the organization, so he's going to be the front person about Phantom DL. And he says, wow, they're coming for us. I got to get out of here. He's not stupid. The guy's worked a long time in the game. He worked for a team, the Yankees, that does all sorts of crap like this. Not, but in the end, even Hal, in this day and age, has played by the rules. You think the commissioner's office was happy that Cohen is spending all this money to send pitchers over to other teams, Hall of Famers, paying their salary so he can get better prospects? He's looking at a guy that's basically saying, I'll do whatever it takes and I'll lose as much money as possible to get the result I want, whatever that is at that certain time. That's scaring the bejesus out of the league. It's scaring them because, guess what? Others may have the ability to do some of those as well, and they may feel emboldened because once Cohen does it, it's licensed for others, and there's still a lot of wealthy people here, other wealthy people that could buy teams going forward that will say, hey, I could do that. I figured out a way. Look, Cohen said it. I already spent the money. I mean, he's writing off losses on his taxes on this team. There's all sorts of ways to make bad situations work for you financially. I'm not an accountant, but that's just common sense. So, really, that's the real thing right now, guys. The Flushing Zoo is a zoo. But the real ringmaster of the chaos, especially this recent chaos, is the fact that MLB wants to make this chaos. They want Cohen to be 
It's no different. They want Cohen to be that guy who owns a store on a street. The mob does their run. And out of 10 fronts, 10 stores, 10 shops, nine are on board with everything. Number 10 says, no, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it my way. And the mob just makes sure that, you know, they hang out in front of your store. Pipes all of a sudden bust in the middle of the night. Broken window. You know, all sorts of bad behavior. So that you know that there's more where this comes from. This is a mob tactic. Baseball is known for these things. Look back at the A-Rod case. Read the book Pinstripe Defection. Do you realize they hired Ray Donovan, a fixer, to go after A-Rod? So baseball did back, you know, A-Rod, who was persona non grata till he finally, you know, somehow, he's one of the few, maybe because of his stature, of what kind of player he was. He was in the few that have gone up against baseball in the manner that he went up against them and, and walked away where he could still have some kind of interaction in the game, albeit not as an owner or president or coach, but, you know, in the media space. But look, baseball has their say. If they don't want him involved in the media space, he wouldn't be involved in the media space. So I don't care who the whistleblower is. I don't know what their agenda is. I don't know if it's Buck, if it's, you know, a former player trainer it seems like it might be I mean you go to that New York Times article and it goes through it gives you the facts about sign stealing they bring up Cohen's you know issues with the SEC you know has nothing to do what went on with his read the book Black Edge what went on with the SEC has absolutely nothing to do with baseball and you know does it say hey look here's a guy who's been pushing to the edges to compete and win in his primary business? Does it show that he's going to instruct people and hire people to do the same? That's pretty much every modern age front office. There's only 30 jobs out there. Everybody wants one. Everybody's looking to get one every year. The competition for jobs is as intense, if not more, than the competition to win on the field. So, you know when I told you earlier in the week that there's this yoke and there's this big project in front of David Stearns that carries all the weight of failures and missteps and bad moves and starts and stops and promises that never were fulfilled. You know, all that stuff since 1986, all that crap that's gone bad that David Stearns is taking on. He's accepting the challenge. Well, let's add baseball and baseball wanting to make sure that Steve Cohen gets in line to that. Baseball politics, because that's what I believe this is all about. This is taking a nothing burger and sending a message to Steve Cohen. This is what we can do with this. Imagine what we can do if we continue to look. If it was any other team, I promise you, any other team where this letter went out, this would be a one-day story, and it would be investigated, a slap on the wrist. But because it's the Mets, because it's Steve Cohen, and Billy Epler damn well knew that. He said, let me get the hell out of here because this isn't going to go well for me. Stern's got the $10 million a year job I didn't hear. Have at it. I mean, think about it. Stern's is a highly paid president of baseball operations. Cohen didn't blink about giving him that money. Cohen took on Chris Flexen's contract to get a mediocre middle reliever so the Mets could get some quality innings out of the bullpen. Think about that. 
a contract he had no int- a player he had no intention of ever be- being on the roster. You don't think that took notice of the front off of the league? What he did at the trade deadline, like they figured they got him, I got him. He spent all this money. Now he sees, he sees exactly how you don't. You got to play by the rules. You got to do these marketing rebuilds. You got to make sure you don't go above the luxury tax. And then at the deadline, he uses his money again to get prospects. Like, oh no, oh no, how do we stop him? Procedural. Remember, the way that people are brought down is bureaucracy. Now Balco was brought down, finding tax documents in the trash bin. It's always something innocuous. It's always a bureaucrat bringing you down. It's politics, business, baseball. It's all the same. So that's the real message today, guys. The league doesn't like Steve Cohen. They like Steve Cohen's money bringing stability to a big franchise that they need. They want that franchise not to be innovative or a pioneer in financial might in a way they've never seen before. Because if this guy is going to have the highest payroll, 450, 500 million in history, win 75 games, in the middle of that disaster, go out and use more money to buy prospects to expedite his rebuild, and then spend his money to get arguably the best free agent front office individual that he can to run a team like they're looking at like we can't stop him how do we stop him let's scare him now is steve cohen has steve cohen got to where he's got running away from the the sec and real serious monsters no he he doesn't hide in his history a guy like that doesn't hide when a bully comes after him but he has to understand how do you going forward run this organization knowing that mlb at any moment is probably going to make a mountain out of a molehill to send a message to make your life difficult. You think it's a coincidence that the Mets were picked on with that sticky stuff? I've told you from the start it didn't make sense. Why the Mets? Is that part of this investigation? Maybe. Maybe they're trying to uncover. They're definitely trying to uncover dirt. And they're trying to connect the dirt to Cohen. Remember, just and they came out and said, oh, no, no, Cohen's not being investigated. Baloney. It was right there in the New York Times article. Yeah, we could always talk about sourcing and integrity within journalism in today's day and age. It's not like it used to be. But whether you, you know, it was a throwaway line or at least looked at somebody gave it to these reporters at the New York Times, that tells you the underlying truth. There it is right there, black and white. It's not unnamed sources right there. They put it out there that a source involved in the investigation says that's the two-tier approach. The cheating part, that would have happened regardless. The Cohen part, that's the real thing. So buckle up. This is going to be a wild ride. This ain't over. I believe they're going to try to find some more things to pick on while Stearns is out there trying to get a manager. And and here's the thing. I don't know how you could recruit. How can you recruit with all this hanging over you? You can't, you know, everyone's going to say, well, what's going on over there? You know, these Japanese players who are structured, especially Otani, who's been in these bad situations in Anaheim wants to come into a chaotic situation and spend the bulk of his rest of his prime in a chaotic environment? No. I think council wants to leave home even for a couple of million dollars extra to come here to be in this, you know, micro bowl. No, this is bad. And, you know, I don't know if you could be successful in the manner they need to be successful to compete right now and survive this chaos. You know, you you might have to rebuild. You might have to rethink this whole thing. 
be very interesting. I told you, I have more questions than answers. And I'll leave you with this before we take a break and go to Jim Allen. I have more questions than answers right now about where this team could go for the first time since Sandy Alderson took over in 2010. I told you that the other day. I It's just more questions today than I had just less than a week ago. It's crazy. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's try to talk some baseball. When we come back, Jim Allen, Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. He's going to talk about Otani, Yamamoto, and maybe some other names we're not thinking about when we talk about the Mets going to the Far East for help, if that's even an option anymore, considering one of their best assets, Billy Epler, is no longer with the team. Keep in mind, I interviewed Jim before the Billy Epler news, so you might see some Epler uh, references in there. We don't have that uh, as part of the the, the piece. Uh, It was supposed to be an easy breezy Sunday first, non-baseball for the Mets, off-season Sunday show, and we just got thrown into an extra 40-minute 40, 40 conversation about the Mets needing another front office individual. The chaos of the Flushing Zoo. It's, it's not the Bronx Zoo, it's the Flushing Zoo. Bronx Zoo reincarnated. All right, we'll be back with more right after this. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. <laughs> 